Hey everyone, my name is Glenn Tilbrook. I've played in the band Squeeze and you're listening to Sound Sessions. What's going on, everybody? This is Michael from Sound Sessions here in Chicago with WGN Radio. Been hailed as Lennon and McCartney of their generation. And listen to these stats. 15 studio albums, 14 compilation albums, 4 live albums, 48 singles. All of Squeeze's hits are written by Glenn Tilbrook and Chris Difford. And we have the one and only Glenn Tilbrook on the phone today. What's going on today, Glenn? Hey, Michael. It's a... It's a uh... It's a grey afternoon in London, but uh, it's nice to be here. I'm at home. Yeah, well, I guess there was some pretty big news coming out of uh, London uh, with the, the royal baby and everything. Right? Do you ever get wrapped up in that kind of stuff? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, uh, uh, like you, you got rid of us a couple of hundred years ago, and uh, I'm, I'm firm, firmly in the Republican mold here. I mean, I don't wish them. Ill, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. I think it's time for all that stuff to be. It's a bit of an anachronism. However, I'm not being a southpaw. So I wish them well with a baby, obviously. Yes, yes. I mean, you got you, it's 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 a nice bit of fanfare, I suppose. Which actually leads me into my first. Yeah. Qu- it leads me into my first question. What kind of stuff do you do while you're not making music? Because you're going back on the road now. Yeah, you know, um, uh, the last year uh, is the first year that I feel like I've. I've sort of been mostly uh, off. I've been doing little bits of touring here and there by myself. Um, but Squeeze has had some downtime. You know, we did two albums in 2015 and 2017. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I didn't want to get back on that cycle of tour album, tour album. So um, we haven't done, we haven't uh, written Chris and I since for the last record. And I think we're already going to look at doing that uh, next year. Now. Yeah. So there's going to be even more new music coming out, too. Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, it's about finding, you know, uh, the, the marketplace has changed, obviously, drastically. Um, so, you know, an album is there really to, to be streamed. You know, some people like physical. I still like vinyl, mm-hmm. and we're still doing vinyl, but that's not where the majority of our of our stuff is going to be listened to. It's going to be consumed online like, like you know, a lot of other things are now. And that's that's not a bad way. It means people have the chance to listen to you. And, and for us, it's important to write because we've still got things to say. And I still think that, you know, our best stuff is, is coming. So, uh, you know, it's a good place to be in. Yeah. You know, I have a personal experience with Squeeze. The first time that I ever heard the band was I was in New York at Soho House and all of a sudden somebody took over the playlist and they started playing this song. And I was it was one of those moments where I'm like, I need to find whoever played this song and figure out what it was. And it was uh, up the junction uh, by Squeeze. And ever since then, I was like the ultimate fan of that music. Um, you know, oh, cool. Yeah. It, it kind of brings people together and everyone was dancing and having a great time. Um, but when you're writing and you're creating these melodies and everything, because I know Chris writes a lot of the lyrics and, and you do a lot of the melodies, how do you find that certain, I guess, squeeziness about writing these vocals and, and finding that, that really cool melody? Like, is it something in your head? Or are, you, are you walking around and you just whistle a tune? What's the science you know, behind if I could it? Bottle, if I could bottle the way that writing happens, I, I certainly would. And I would sell it, um, uh, but um, 
you know, it's. I think it's a. It's a. It's a process of. You know, I've been to. I've been into music ever since I can remember, mm-hmm. and it's all I've ever wanted to do. And I've been lucky enough that, that it's been my entire life. It's been the dominant thing in my life, and so. I listen to a lot of music. I absorb a lot of music. I still get excited going to see music. And I like all sorts of different stuff. I mean, just uh, two nights ago, I went to see Sergio Mendes uh, here in London. And what a fantastic show. Wow. I wouldn't have gone to see him 20 years ago. Um, but, you know, it's just like such a, such a musically diverse show, such a great band. There's all this stuff that is still really, really exciting to me. So, you know, that excitement comes back through uh, writing, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So well, you kind of get inspired by, by seeing these other artists. What other artists are you into today that, you know, maybe I wouldn't as- associate uh, Glenn Tilbrook with? Like, are you are there any guilty pleasures out there or music that you just think is transcending the genre a little bit? Um, you know, uh, I, I really like that there's a... There's an English uh, woman called Kate Tempest who I really, I love, I love her lyrics. I love her delivery. I think she has a new album coming out now. Um, I'm, I'm an absolute mad Beyonce fan, which might surprise some people. But oh, really? She is just, she, yeah, she just keeps on pushing and pushing. And she really, ahead of anyone else I know, has been dedicated to her art in a way that has just pushed the envelope constantly. Um, now, you know, I've seen her live a few times, and it's always been amazing. Um, you know, I, I really, uh, I really like the Avalanches. Uh, yeah, the over here has been some great stuff. So, you know, I, um, I like. I went to see. Oh, the other person I went to see last week is Robin Hitchcock, and uh, he was great. He was absolutely fantastic. You know, I worked with him many years ago and it's great to catch up with him but he's got he's got such a great cachet of songs Man, I you know that's I love all the the, the name drops and everything but Beyonce that's a, that's a really interesting thing have you seen her Netflix uh, movie? Yeah, I saw it two weeks ago it absolutely blew me away <laughs> just, <laughs> just not I wish I'd been there but you know it's just as good as being there seeing it but, you know as long as you got the Right, speakers plugged in, and you're totally immersed in the experience. What a show. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that, because it's been, you know, a little bit of time since Squeeze really put on a mega show like that. Do you see yourself creating that kind of, um, I guess, atmosphere with the new Squeeze shows? Because I saw there, there's... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, well, you know, uh, <laughs> I'd love to do that. But if we If we were ever to do that, I think it would have to be theatrical and not a band. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the only way you could ever get to that sort of spectacle. And I think that we come from from a background of uh, of doing just you know of being a band on stage. So we're you know we're now immersing ourselves in trying to visually do some some more with making films for the live show and and stuff like that. But it will always be predominantly just about music. We we did have. Uh, <laughs> we had a dance routine in in our show six years ago, which was uh, meant to be uh, ironic, I think, and uh, <laughs> that, that was good. But we're not going to be going back to that. We just play, and we play really well, and the audiences go wild, and I'm really happy at that. 
Yeah, you. I mean, being in the band Squeeze must have been a total dream. I mean, here you are growing up, and you're writing music to your, for yourself. You're singing songs. You end up being in a band with with Chris, and then Jules Holland, who just who's now one of the biggest. I guess namesakes in music with uh, his his TV show. Um, what's the background? How did you guys meet in the first place? How did this? How did Squeeze come together? Well, I met Jules. Uh, I met Jules when I was thirteen. A, a mutual friend um, introduced us. Actually, said you know because I think at that point neither of us knew anyone else who played. So it was great to meet, and we really we got on really well, and we started playing together, and then separately. I answered an ad that Chris Difford had put in a sweet shop window. He said he had a band and a recording contract and a tour lined up. And in fact, uh, all three of those things were not true. Uh, The start of many fanciful uh, stories told by Mr. Difford, but there was Chris there. And and so we started writing pretty soon. And then I introduced Jules and Chris and, uh, and we had a band. Wow. Wow. It's it's incredible. And then what was that first song or that first moment when you knew as as a collective group, you're like, wow, we, we made it. Was it when you were when you hit the, the charts in the UK or when you came to the, the United States and just blew up from from then on? You know, it's it's a funny old journey, I think, when you're starting out, because, you know, it took us in our first two years as a band, we had three gigs and then we started getting a lot of support slots and uh, we, and also there were a lot more sort of club and pub gigs around London that we started getting. And we saw, you could physically see the audience growing and then there'd be lines outside where they were playing. Mm-hmm. And that was all before we'd made, uh, you know, a record. So that was, that was quite something. So that was, that was in a way crossing one level and then another. Of course, when you do have a record out, I mean, they, uh, we got signed to, to A&M um, and we charted in the, in the UK it felt like we were always going to do that. Of course, mm-hmm. I know now that, that we weren't necessarily always going to do it, but it was a great journey. But it took five years from getting together to that point, which when you're that age, is, seems like about 20 years. <laughs> were you, when you, because, you know, I'm a musician here in Chicago, and I've been playing for a little bit, and I, I, you know, I try to do my best when it comes to marketing and getting the word out, and it's easy for musicians today because we have the internet. We can reach a, like a million people in, with a click of a button. What was it like when you were putting up flyers and, you know, creating your own t-shirts and getting out and trying to talk to people? What was your marketing back then to create something as huge as Squeeze? <laughs> I mean, what was that like? Uh, well, it was it was different. There were, there were like there were fanzines. They were a really great way of getting across because they got to the people that were interested in in music. And if you got in those, people would be aware of you. And then you get into mainstream music press and radio. I guess came sort of third. Radio was the biggest way to get to people, but would often it t- you know it took a bit to get played. But uh, you know, there was enough. There were enough venues to build up a, a following and enough work to keep us going as a band, not getting a lot of money, but enough to get by. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I guess that 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 much is similar that you can still, or, you know, one can still play. Although there weren't um, at that time, there weren't so many cover bands mm-hmm. um, as there are now, and cover bands. 
you know, I think they do a great job, but it's it sort of becomes a lazy way for people to see live music. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Do you remember the first song that you picked up and played on your guitar when you were growing up? Um, no, I, I don't. I tell you why because uh, I used to uh, get these things called record songbooks, which were just lyrics. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I knew the tunes, I would teach myself to tune and sing them. Um, uh, otherwise, I'd make tunes up to the lyrics that I didn't know the songs of. So I played many songs that way without there being uh, you know one moment where I I can remember. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. Do you, how about this? When you were when you were growing up, and I'm sorry to take it back a little bit, but as I said before, That's I'm right. su- I'm such a fan, and I and I love you know diving into the mind of somebody who has literally written hundreds of songs that I've played for the last you know 20 years of my life. Um, oh, thank you. Well, yeah, of course. When you were growing up, do you remember? like maybe the first record or moment in music that maybe your mom or dad put on a record and you're like, wow, this is something I could really do with my life. Like this music is speaking to me. You know, I don't think I was, uh, um, I wouldn't have articulated, I wasn't able to articulate it that way Mm -hmm. until I was maybe uh, like 13 or 14 when I really felt like this is what I wanted to do. Uh, before then, it was like an obsession. I would I'd spend a lot of time listening to music, and of course, you know, I think when you're any time up to say twenty, you absorb stuff in a way that I don't think you do anymore. Once you pass that age, and it becomes a sort of template for everything that comes afterwards. So with me, just listening to the radio and uh, you know pop pop radio in the sixties over here was. Was really um, was really great. There were lots of pirate stations, which were much more like American um, AM stations at the time. BBC hadn't quite caught up, so so there was a lot of stuff going on there, and I, and I loved it. I absorbed it, and I unquestioningly listened to every genre that was going on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. It's such. It, it must just an incredible journey that you that you've gone on. Um, and, and you've been doing it since you were young, like you mentioned. Was there ever a time when you when you thought maybe the road is getting a little too hard, or maybe I should go on a different path? I mean, what would Glenn Tolbrook be doing right now if he if he didn't have music? Do you know, um, I have no idea. There was never a plan B. Uh, I got out of school very early, um, so I have no idea what I'd be doing now. But uh, that that has been lucky enough to you know to give me a certain sort of dedication towards what I do, and I also have accepted. I think you know the the worst time for me was when I was like in my late twenties and we'd been successful, mm-hmm. and and I thought, well, I still got a lot of my life ahead of me. Where's it gonna Where's it gonna lead? What am I? Am I just gonna go by? Is success my only criteria for for this? I'm not talking about making lots of money. I'm talking about making a living, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I met two people. Uh, one was this guy who used to be a, um, a music hall entertainer in the 1940s, 30s, 40s, part of a double act with his twin brother. And uh, in the same year, I met Keith Richards and hung out with him and played with him for a while. So in this year, 1989... I found two people at the very opposite ends of the spectrum. The old guy, the old musical guy, 
used to get up in a local pub and sing, and he loved it. King Richards, one of the most successful musicians in the world, played because he loved it. I thought, you know what? I could be either one of those two people, and wherever it ends up, I'm good with it, because I know in my heart what I love and why I do it, so I'll just carry on wherever it takes me. And since then, I felt a sort of detachment from the the, uh, necessity of trying to make money. As long as I've got enough, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. I'm not a financial. You know, money's great. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong, but it's not the reason why I do this, and it's not. Uh, that's not. That's not what gives me the most satisfaction. The satisfaction I get primarily from the music itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's often you often find that the things that you can do for free are th- your passions. You, you know, if you can, I mean, me with with radio and working in music, I, I could do that for the rest of my life. I can't believe that they pay me for it. Sometimes I'm just like, I should be paying you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's wild to see, but there was never a moment when you were like, you know what? I really want to open up a cupcake shop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I open up any shop, it would probably be a cheese shop. Ooh. Okay. Do you like that expensive stinky cheese? Uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite cheeses actually is the uh, tin cheese. And people, this is always a great one to get people with. Uh, a friend of mine uh, introduced me uh, to from Washington State University. They have a tin cheese, mm-hmm. and it's one of the best cheeses in the world. It's absolutely amazing. You should try it. Tomb- how, do you, it out. how do you spell that? Uh, it's uh, it's from Washington State. I Washington don't know. It's a, it's a big tinned cheese, mm. and it's sort of it's so wrong. It shouldn't work. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that always works out? Because I've been slowly getting in more and more into cooking. Are you are you kind of a foodie? Oh, I, I love cooking. Yeah, I absolutely love cooking. I what? suppose uh, you know that's that's the thing. That's that's a hobby that I, that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as well as just cooking for the family and, and stuff, I, I love uh, experimenting with food. It's great. What's your go-to dish? Uh, probably, um, <laughs> probably uh, you know, the one that, I, um, that most people would associate with me. It's not very complicated. It's the Welsh rabbit, but I make the best Welsh rabbit in the world. Man. And that is, um, it's actually, it's a cheese, it's cheese on toast plus. Ooh. And it's just great. <laughs> it's got beer in it. It's got mustard. It's got a little bit of horseradish, a tiny bit of hot sauce. Uh, uh, and then you heat that up and then put it on toast. And then you brown it under a grill. It's heaven. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so good. You're making me so hungry, Glenn. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> So you're playing the Chicago Theater on August 31st. You've been it's it's interesting to see, you know, your transition of of how how much great music you've created and you still want to do this um do this amazing thing called art. Uh are you looking forward to coming to Chicago? Do you have any great memories of the city? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, Chicago was one of the places that took to us first um and in fact uh, the 31st of August is also my birthday, so I'll be celebrating oh. my birthday in Chicago, which I'm looking forward to. We're going to have to bring you uh, lots of stinky me, cheese. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be definitely finding some cheese somewhere in the way, you can rest assured of that. Um, yeah, I mean, we have, we have many, many, um, we've had many fantastic gigs in, in Chicago, and the reception for us has always been very warm, so I can't wait to be back. 
We're excited to have you back. We're excited. Um, it's going to be a great show again at the Chicago Theater, which is one of our like mainstay theaters. It's a beautiful, beautiful um, architecture. So we're excited to have you. Um, and just a few more questions before I let you go. You've been often heralded as the Lennon McCartney. You and you and Chris. How do you feel about that kind of weight being on your shoulders? I mean, I agree with it entirely. But how do you feel when people are are, are putting you on that kind of pedestal? Does it feel good? Um. You know, when people said that originally, it was it was a little intimidating, and I think we went off the boil immediately after we recalled that. But um, then we calmed down and forgot all about it. And you know, it's a very flattering um, comparison to us, mm-hmm. um, and very sweet that people would say that. But it's not really something I think about anymore. You know, they were amazing songwriters, and they changed the world. And we're just amazing songwriters. <laughs> <laughs> you truly are. You, you, you know, you're the last of the great bands that wrote the narrative, beautiful song, like songs that had a good story to them. Why don't you know? A lot of bands don't do that anymore. Why? Why do you think that is? It, it's just like little poppy kind of pieces where it just strung together lyrics and melodies that really don't tell like a, a great story. Um, and uh, and you guys and you guys always did that. Is that was was that your approach to writing songs, or did it just come naturally? Uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, you know. Uh, well, first of all, you know, Chris's uh, influences, you know, I think range from uh, Bob Dylan to Lou Reed. Uh, there's a guy called Clyde James who actually I think was a big influence on us. He was a great uh, lyricist. Uh, he, he actually wrote. He was more of a he wrote many more books than he did songs, but uh, there was a lot of uh, narrative storytelling in, in, in those uh, with those writers, and I think some of that rubbed off on Chris. And uh, it was just great to have the opportunity to tell a story in three minutes. It's always something that's caught our imagination. Mm-hmm. Is there one line or one piece of your music that you really, really connect with still to this day? Like one, you know, the story of, of Up the Junction or, or a, a, maybe a line in Tempted or Pulling Muscles from a Shell, those kind of songs that you're just like, it feels so good to release that and, and hear people sing it back to me. You know, I think I've, at this moment I would pick up the junction because... Uh, it was the first story song of ours that really got across to people. And I do remember sitting down at the piano. We were already uh, making that, that album uh, when I wrote the song. And um, I looked at the lyric and thought, you know, this is such a great lyric. My job is just to make sure that the lyrics come across and the tune. Literally, the tune just tumbled out. Mm-hmm. That doesn't often happen, and it was so great that it did then. It's one of my favorite songs to this day. Seriously, on every single playlist, I, I I put it on there, and every time, no doubt, somebody comes up and says, "What is that song? Who who are these guys? Are they new?" <laughs> That's very sweet. Thank you. Oh, Glenn Tilbrook from the band Squeeze. Glenn, there's a lot of people who are sitting, you know, young people who are in their parents' basements or in their bedrooms strumming a guitar, playing the keys on the piano, um, who want to get to the level that you're at. What kind of advice can you give to these these young people who are trying to get started in music? Um, You know, it's 
you know, it's a it's a hard business to get ahead in, but um, I think if you're sort of obsessed with it and you're into it, you'll find a way. Yeah. Obsession is the key. Advice, but that's the best I can do. <laughs> and how do they find someone like Jules Holland and Chris and, and the rest of the band uh, to just find that kind of family togetherness? Uh, you, you, did you just, it, did it, would the stars were aligned kind of thing? or? You know, I'm a great believer in keeping things local. You know, we got together as a band because we lived in the same area. I think those people are always there. It's just how to find them. Mm-hmm. And that can be local. You, know, you can get online or, you know, just put up ads in your front driveway or something, anyway, anything. Help, I'm looking for someone. You know, do you do this? Are you into that? You know, everyone's there to be found. Mm-hmm. Everyone's there to be found. Um, see, even the words that you speak just naturally are just like little song lyrics to me. Um, <laughs> that's Glenn Tilbrook. He's playing the Chicago Theater with his band Squeeze, August 31st. Hey, Glenn, happy early birthday to you. Thank you very much. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to being here. Thanks so much for taking this time, Michael. really appreciate it. Of course, and we're looking forward to seeing you here in Chicago. You can check them out. Check out Difford and Tilbrook Songbrook 2019 as well. Glenn, thank you so much for joining us here on Sound Sessions. Cheers, love. Thank you very much. Can't get enough of Sound Sessions? Like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Sound Sesh Pod, and check us out on Instagram at Sound Sessions WGN.